Hello and welcome back to Why Morocco, a bi-weekly podcast dedicated to spotlighting some of the inspiring and creative personalities who share my love of the North African Kingdom of Morocco. My name's Mandy Sinclair, PR consultant and freelance writer, tasting Marrakesh food and cultural tours owner and host of this podcast. As you sit back and listen, it's my hope that you'll leave feeling inspired to pay a visit or motivated to start planning that trip to the Kingdom of Morocco. For this week's episode, I traveled to Casablanca to meet Justina Tulloch, the Aussie and one half of the duo that owned Bondi Coffee Kitchen. A little known secret, I was terrified of Casablanca for years, but when this restaurant opened in 2015, I knew I not only needed a flat white, but to give the city a second chance. So I finally did in 2016, and Bondi was definitely on my list of places to go. Justina, along with her husband, Aziz Mrabit, have created a space with fresh eats and some of the best coffee in town. But on the podcast, she also talks about launching a new concept in the city. And as residents of this coastal town, Justina shares some of her tips to dispel rumors that there's nothing to do in Casablanca except visit the famous mosque. So let's listen in as Justina talks about setting up the restaurant, the philosophy and concept behind Bondi Coffee Kitchen, and why you need to add Casablanca to your Morocco itinerary. You're from Australia, from Sydney. Yes, I am. How did you end up in Casablanca? Yeah, well, um, I'll give you the long version Mm -hmm. since we're having a conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, I was living in Shanghai. I went to China in 1998 to study Chinese from Australia. Um, I did like an exchange with my university there Mm -hmm. and... um, met Aziz there, who is my lovely Moroccan husband. Mm-hmm. Um, we ended up staying there for 15 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Actually, Aziz stayed there for, he he had already been there for five years when I met him. So by the time we left, he'd been there for over 20 years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then we had two boys there and um, it kind of got to a point of, well, Maybe it's time to move on. Maybe it's time to move them on to somewhere else as well because the pollution was really bad Mm -hmm. and um, the lifestyle there was fantastic. But um, we were a bit worried about some of the, you know, health issues around um, food safety and pollution Mm -hmm. especially. And we thought, well, we've got these two amazing countries that we come from, Morocco and Australia, and our boys had never lived in either of them. So if we're going to go somewhere else, we should at least go to one of our home countries. Mm-hmm. And we thought maybe Morocco would be better to do first when they're younger. Um, mm-hmm. So when we came here, they were like nine and ten, and that's how we ended up here. And then I just eventually you started the Bondi Coffee Kitchen. Yeah. So we got here, we left our jobs in China, which are completely unrelated to food okay. and beverage industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I was working in McKinsey, actually, the big consulting company. And Aziz has always had his own business in trading. He was doing a lot of exports of um, home textiles to the US and Europe. Oh, wow. But when we came here, you know, that's another reason why we left China. We wanted a change. Yeah. So we wanted to do something different. And um, we got here, we looked around at a few different business ideas. Um, Aziz is very entrepreneurial mm-hmm. and um, I am good at operations. Per- perfect <laughs> <Yes>. combo. <laughs> exactly. Um, so he's the, you know, full steam ahead and I'm the mm-hmm. break a bit. Mm-hmm. But um 
yeah, we looked at maybe doing something in, well, we did actually when we first came here, we did some um, textile manufacturing for like fast fashion brands. Mm -hmm. But we just felt that that wasn't really what we wanted to do. Like we really wanted to do something that we were passionate about Mm -hmm. and um, we neither of us were really passionate about that. Aziz was kind of overdoing that type of thing and I was not at all passionate about producing fast fashion. Yeah, it doesn't seem like (laughs) you're, knowing your cafe, it doesn't seem like your athlete's personality. But that was fine, Mm -hmm. you know, we gave that a go, but then we, you know, kind of quite quickly decided that that wasn't what we wanted to do here. So I've always been really passionate about food and um, I grew up in Australia on a vineyard. So I grew up with, you know, Mm -hmm. lots of hospitality and lots of really great food and wine. Like my mum is an amazing entertainer and, you know, from a really young age I was always with her, helping her and, um, you know, making these lovely lunches and Mm -hmm. um, stuff for our clients for the winery in Australia So, and also at one stage when I was living in China, I took a break from my corporate career and went back to Australia for six months and trained as a chef. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The plan was that I'd then go, as this stayed in Shanghai, we hadn't had the kids by then, Mm -hmm. Um, as this stayed in Shanghai. And the plan was that I would then go back to Shanghai and open something there because Shanghai also, you know, at that time, I mean, it's so sophisticated now, but at that time there was still lots of opportunities Mm -hmm. And um, I was going to open like a cafe deli in Shanghai. But then I got back and then I got pregnant. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Then my, you know, life went on another little path for a while Mm -hmm. because hospitality is not great with young kids. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely not long hours. Yeah, exactly. Um, So that's always been in the background that I would like to do something in hospitality. Mm -hmm. So then we got here and we were like, well, where can we get a good coffee? Where can we get a good sandwich salad? We couldn't really find anywhere, actually. I mean, mm-hmm. at the time it was really just all burgers and sushi. Yeah. And a few other things here and there, but nothing casual can feel mm-hmm. like you could go and eat there every day, hang out there. Yeah. We wanted to create an environment that felt really international because mm-hmm. um, we also felt that, you know, so many Moroccans have lived abroad, studied abroad, like they would have had those types of places in where they were living outside yeah. of Morocco. So we really had a strong sense that there was an opportunity for it. Um, so we started looking into that and looking for spaces and um, found, you know, our little spot in Gautier and spent mm-hmm. about a year fitting it out. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, it was like just a shell. It was a brand new building. So it was just like literally concrete mm-hmm. floors, walls, nothing there. So that was kind of quite challenging doing that. But um, we also used our China connections for that as well because we ended up bringing everything from China for the cafe as well because we also found that there just weren't that great selection of, you know, furniture and Mm -hmm. um, decorative items. Of course there's lovely Moroccan stuff, but we really wanted it to be a departure from what is already available in Morocco. Yes, so we imported everything from China for the cafe as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, I remember when you opened and then seeing it on Instagram and I was just like, I need to go to Casablanca. I resisted coming to Casablanca for so long because I had a bad experience. <laughs> oh, okay. But seeing Bondi yeah. on um, Instagram, yeah. I was like, oh, my God, that looks exactly like what I want and I could get a flat white. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. So okay. the coffee was another really big important factor because um, we're both really into specialty coffee and mm-hmm. – um, 
I don't know if you know, but Australia actually kind of leads the world globally yes. in terms of cafe culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, we thought, well, lots of people drink coffee in Morocco. We don't think it's particularly great coffee, mm-hmm. but the culture is there. Yeah. And surely if we, you know, bring in a product that's maybe like a bit better, then people would, would like that. And also it's organic and, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, sustainable, um, which is a nice a nice thing to have as well. Um, so, yeah, the coffee thing was a big driver also. Um, and then, yeah, I, I mean, again, just people kind of really did like it from the first day we opened, actually. And yeah, because the response has been very positive, the re- hasn't it? The response has been great. Um, I guess like you, people were waiting for something mm-hmm. like that to come along. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's obviously other factors as well, um, you know, things that we saw that were missing in places that um, we went to in Morocco as well, like other cafes and restaurants, you know, really attentive service, mm-hmm. which um, we found to be, you know, not always the case when we go to other places. So we thought that was like a really strong selling point that we wanted to include as well mm-hmm. um, so that people can come in and they feel welcomed instead of, you know, coming in and like waving their hands around trying to yes. <laughs> get attention. <laughs> and um, so that was really important to us as well to um, the training side of things, mm-hmm. training our staff um, to give like an international level of service actually. Mm-hmm. And also to somehow show to Casablanca and Morocco that, you know, there is a big youth unemployment problem here and hospitality is a really great sector for young people to get involved in. Mm-hmm. And there's a bit of a stigma around it here. You know, I think a lot of people's families don't necessarily want them going into that business mm-hmm. because, you know, for various different reasons, yes. which I totally understand. But um, we really wanted to show that you can make it a profession as well. And, you know, if if you train your staff well, they can see that there's opportunities yeah. for themselves to, you know, progress and um, have a good, like, career in hospitality. Mm-hmm. And so what kind of things have your staff gone on to do after training and working with you? Yeah, I mean, you know, anyway in hospitality <laughs> there's a big, there's mm-hmm. a high staff turnover. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've done, you know, really well, like our retention rate is actually pretty good, yeah. but um, there has been a lot of turnover. But a few of them have even ended up meeting um partners in the cafe and then oh, moved wow. to you know immigrated to other countries like uh-huh. Yassine I don't know if you you probably would have met him mm-hmm. along the way because he was with us for a long time he only just left last year oh um, wow. yeah he has ended up in Edinburgh um, not Edinburgh Aberdeen in Scotland oh cool yeah and he's running a cafe there amazing yeah so mm-hmm. that's great I mean we feel mm-hmm. so happy and proud of him that yeah. he's gone over there and done that and mm-hmm. you know I definitely see that um they now think of it as like a really not just something to pay the bills but they really enjoy working there and feel like they're learning and feel mm-hmm. like you know there are opportunities and Perfect. possibilities for them yeah because what is really the the philosophy that you take when you mm. um in the concept to, to behind bondi coffee yeah. kitchen yeah so we think of it as um I can't remember my exact, like, USP now, but it's something (laughs) like um, a place where you can feel at home but also anywhere else in the world. Mm -hmm. And um, our food philosophy is that um, it's fresh, clean, consistent. We don't claim to be organic because um, we did look into that in the beginning, but 
it's really inconsistent. Like the market mm-hmm. is really inconsistent here. So we try to use organic products when we can, but we definitely don't, you know, claim that we're an organic mm-hmm. cafe. Mm-hmm. Um, but our food is all prepared in-house. We make all of our sauces, you know, everything, cakes, bread, we do it all mm-hmm. in-house. So, you know, we're controlling the quality in that way um, and also bringing in, you know, new dishes and new ideas from, um, well, Asian dishes from, you know, yeah. our background in China mm-hmm. and then um, just the sort of food that you find in cafes in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever do a lamington? We did do a lamington for a while. Yeah, uh-huh. I should bring the lamington back actually. Um, I haven't done it. We haven't done it for a little while, but we did have it on for a while and, yeah, mm-hmm. people liked it. Yeah, Because when I was um, 17, I did my semester abroad in Adelaide. That's right, you said and that. And my host mom yeah. owned a bakery oh, yes, in okay. Glenelg and it was like a very famous bakery. Yeah, right. So I got all kinds of like did they do mud cake. Oh, amazing <laughs> lamington, yeah. a mud cake. Yeah. That was super fun to ice. Yes. Um, yeah, just all kinds pies pasties yeah all that kind yeah. of fried goodness but so I mean the thing about Australia is right that there's no Australian cuisine per se mm-hmm. um because we're such a young country relatively yeah. speaking in the you know in the way that um a lot of other places are, have a much longer history than us of course mm-hmm. we have our indigenous people mm-hmm. who have been there you know the longest yeah. you know living culture but um in general we don't have an Australian cuisine. We have just adapted all of the cuisines, like parts of all of the cuisines from all of the migrants that have yeah. ended up in Australia over the years. So really strong Greek food yeah. tradition, Lebanese food tradition, mm-hmm. and more recently really good Asian mm-hmm. Asian food as well. So yeah. I think people sometimes don't really know what that means, an Australian cafe. We call it an Australian-style cafe because, um, you know, to try and, get around that idea (laughs) of um which I understand because you know in France you have French cuisine in Spanish cuisine in Australia what is it actually so that's what it is it's like really a mix of all of the Mm -hmm. cultures that have ended up in Australia and Australia has fantastic produce so then you know really using that amazing Mm -hmm. produce to make those same dishes but um probably you know in a in a bit of a more modern way and using mm-hmm. like really great, great ingredients. I would say the same can be said of Canadian cuisine Maybe. because we're such a, yes. a country of immigrants. Yes. Um, obviously the native yeah. people have been there yeah. as well, but it's, you know, a lot of Eastern European yeah. and British influence yes, right. and French as well. But. Yeah. I mean, I know, mm-hmm. I mean, you guys have your um, kind of signature Canadian exactly. dishes and we do have that in Australia mm-hmm. as well, but um they're not necessarily things you want to eat every day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they're exactly. certainly probably not that healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we, we you know, we haven't done a meat pie, for example, in the cafe, although yeah. probably that would be a great thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, people would probably really like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, we haven't gone down that road yet. No. Oh, <laughs> so as a chef, are you really um, quite involved then in the recipe development yes. and menu development. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I do all of the recipe and menu development. And you do a mad, like amazing brownie. Yes. So <laughs> I do everything. Like I usually do it all at home in my kitchen, test everything oh, out, okay. you know, right. Refine the recipes and, you know, some stuff obviously needs to be adapted for Morocco because mm-hmm. some ingredients aren't really readily Absolutely. available. So mm-hmm. there's that sort of stuff that, um, I always are very aware of as well. Like what, 
is available here. We also try to, I think at one point I did a bit of a calculation of um, how much local ingredient we use, and I think it's like 90 to 95% wow. local ingredients and just a very few things that, mm-hmm. you know, you need to make mm-hmm. it a little bit different, but um, generally speaking, like to keep it really local, local ingredients because wow. there's great there is great here produce as well. And fruit. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So then it's just bringing in a few different flavours that maybe they don't use here in mm-hmm. Morocco to, yeah, mm-hmm. to make it a bit more interesting. Amazing. Um, as I said, like you're seeing the cafe open made me want to come back and discover Casablanca because a lot of travelers are told, yes, there's nothing to see here. You can just yes. go and see the mosque, which is beautiful. Yes. Um, but I tend to disagree with those types of yeah. comments. So yeah. what would you say like for an overnight, like guests who are maybe traveling here yeah. um, at the start of the beginning, end of a trip, what yeah. would be some things that they should see or yeah. do? Um, well, they love to come to us at the end of the trip, actually, yes. because they're so sick of tagine. <laughs> <laughs> so they always come uh-huh. in and they're like, oh my God, a coffee, a flat white and a salad, please. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh-huh. apart from that, um, I agree with you. Like, I think Maybe, though, at first glance, it's not that easy to really see the appeal and the beauty Mm -hmm. of Casablanca. You do have to kind of dig deep a little bit and um, look for, you know, because, yeah, you've got the mosque, obviously, which is amazing. So I would Mm -hmm. definitely recommend everyone goes to the mosque, and Mm -hmm. I do recommend that. Um, Go to the beach. You know, the beach is really great. There's great beaches. Even downtown there's really nice beaches. But also if you can get yourself out to like Dabuaza to some of the beach clubs out there, that's really nice in the summer because they're like private beach clubs and you can lie on the beach and have a lovely lunch with some wine as well if you want to. Yeah, and then going for a walk in the old part of town seeing all those beautiful art deco buildings and it doesn't even matter if you do that with a guide i feel like no, you can just walk you definitely downtown don't need to do that with a and guide. just admire yeah. and yeah the history of casablanca the fact that it was exactly you know, how it was developed yeah. during the french protectorate it's mm-hmm. That itself is. I mean, I would love to see. to see them put some care, love, and care and attention into that area of town. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's just beautiful as it is because of the buildings and stuff. But like, you could see that if it was given a bit of, you know, yeah. TLC, it would definitely become much more of an attraction. I think, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so yeah, start at the Marche Central is always a good place to start. Go for a little walk through there, and then just wander around the streets. Mm-hmm. I also quite often tell people to get on the tram. Mm -hmm. And just take it from end to end because that's a really nice way to see all the suburbs and, um, like, just Mm -hmm. get an idea of, like, where people live, how they live, and um, it's really comfortable. It's really expensive. It's a great, great thing to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. And I'd say go to the park, but that park has now been re being redone for like the last couple of years and I'm not sure when it's ever going to reopen yeah I just watched the Parc de la Ligue <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, it looks I don't even recognize it yeah I just walked past it on my way back they're building a new opera house which you probably know yes they're saying that they're waiting for that to be finished and then they're kind of going to open everything up at the same time and do you know when you know. is the opera house meant to be open mm, don't know Okay, just a quick time out, because if you're keen to explore Morocco, let me tell you about SunTrails, a private tour operator based in Marrakesh. I've had the pleasure of being both a paying customer on a holiday through the south of Morocco, but also just traveling with Chris, because he is a friend after all. 
That aside, Chris is genuinely passionate about discovering the hidden gems dotting the country and meeting people like architects and musicians undertaking interesting initiatives. He then puts all of this together in an itinerary for guests who are looking for more than just a standard tour of Morocco. He's been on the podcast twice, so if you want to find out more, check out episode 1 and episode 19, or get in touch with me via mandyandmorocco.com, and I'll happily put you in touch. So what would you say are the ingredients to owning a successful business? Because yeah. to me, Bondi, I go in, it's yeah. always buzzing. It seems yeah. to be looking like a great place. Yeah. So what what are you doing? I think um, really taking care to train and appreciate and remunerate and encourage mm-hmm. our local staff. And we really are proud of the fact that all of our staff are local. We don't mm-hmm. have any foreigners in there except for when I'm there. Mm-hmm. Um, but we really want it to be, you know, locals working in there. And um, that is something that I think makes it special as well mm-hmm. um and then it's just the ambiance of like feeling like you can just come in and see it everyone's really we don't give special attention to anyone you mm-hmm. know we've we have lots of people come in that are probably quite well known in morocco mm-hmm. that's probably good that we don't know who they are yeah. <laughs> because then you know we really do just treat everyone the same mm-hmm. but also we tell our staff that you know no one is everyone is special here mm-hmm. you know no one gets extra attention everyone should feel welcome to come in and have lunch or have a drink or you know mm-hmm. whatever it is they want to do do their work yeah 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 um and then yeah consistency like mm-hmm. really just keep keep at it like it's 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 not easy to keep it consistent to be honest with you but um i think that's why we are still successful four and a half years down yes. the track because we really pay attention to the small details mm-hmm. and um, every day we test, you know, all of the sauces, all of the juices, all of the, mm-hmm. the coffee every day. Everything is tested every day to make sure that every time you come in and you order your tuna niswa sandwich, it's going to taste the same every single time. So consistency is yeah. also something so that's really important mm-hmm. to us as well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can always so. find your unique selling point. Well, and that's what I think is really the success to to business in Morocco is you yeah. just have to really find what makes you unique yeah. and be true to that and yes. don't waver as tempting as it may be yes. to be like, oh, well, they're doing so well. Just focus on what yeah. you're doing. That's right. And the rewards will come. If you have a really strong concept that you really believe in, um, I mean, of course, you have to let the market dictate yes. a little bit mm-hmm. what, what goes along the way. And on that point, actually, when we first opened, I was planning on just having five salads, five sandwiches, five pastas. That's it. like always going to be the same but then because there's not many competitors out there and we found that like people literally come to us every single day and that's not enough variety (laughs) for them (laughs) so um I you know had to Mm -hmm. create many more dishes and also now I find I get stressed because like finding the right balance between people who come all the time and want to see new stuff on the menu Mm -hmm. and then when I try to take stuff off the menu then like people are up in arms like oh my god you took it off the menu I'm like well I can't keep everything on the menu or it's going to be like 10 pages long and that's Uh not good for food wastage no um yeah so it's always a bit of a balance finding you know the the right the right Mm -hmm. number of dishes on the menu um but that's something that you know really has adapted 
along the way from like where we thought we were going to, where, where mm-hmm. we thought, what we thought it was going to be to what it has become, which is fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's actually more of a restaurant than a cafe yeah. in the end, which mm-hmm. is also fine. Um, but yeah, you have to stick to like your core values, but of course you have to let the market mm-hmm. dictate to you a little bit along the way. Otherwise, and it's not going to work. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but what I appreciate about what you've done is that you really have stuck to your values. And mm. so many restaurants, mm. you always, like, you know, a tagine's going to, at least a few Moroccan options are going to stick, like, find their way in. Yes. But you're like, no, we're doing what yes. we do and that's who and we, we are. Got, we got a lot of negative feedback in the beginning because we don't serve soda. We don't sell Coke and mm-hmm. Sprite and that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. We don't do frites. Um, Mm -hmm. we don't allow smoking inside. Mm -hmm. Um, So some of the stuff we really got, like, really serious, we don't do burgers. Um, So people would come for our brunch on the weekend and then they want to order burgers for their kids and they're like, but you don't have burgers. We're like, well, no, but we have lovely toasted sandwiches Mm -hmm. and pastas and we definitely lost some customers because of the no soda and Mm -hmm. no burger and no fruit thing, but it was something that was very important to us and Mm -hmm. also a point of difference and also like we really we don't claim to be a super healthy restaurant I mean we have you know creamy pastas and cakes and stuff but um it's all made in house Mm -hmm. and it's not fried yeah we don't have anything fried on our menu Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) what is it about the no waste kitchen can you tell me about about that is that still a principle that you're following yeah we do follow that really um carefully as well and again it's um because we keep really good records we have really good systems Mm -hmm. so we know basically on kind of any given day give or take um how many of each item we usually sell so we make sure that we only purchase enough to cover that Mm -hmm. amount and then if it runs out it sometimes runs out or someone will run off to the Marche Marif and yeah. <laughs> get some more mesclun or whatever it is that uh-huh. we need. If it's possible, for, if it's something that, you know, can be kind of the mise en place can be redone on the spot, yeah. then we do that. Um, and we just try to control our portions. Like mm-hmm. if we see that there's one dish that keeps coming back with, you know, not not fully mm-hmm. finished, then we know that, okay, well, maybe we were too generous with that one. Let's just um, reduce the portion size a bit. Yeah, that's fabulous because I was reading about food waste mm. and actually how much of an impact it mm. has on the environment. Yeah. And crazy figures about um, how much yeah, wild there is. And yeah, yeah. And I feel like in tourism, because, you know, I mm. have tasting Marrakesh, I feel we need to do more in Morocco mm. um, to make sure mm. that we are making it a mm, you know a thing. not yeah exactly mm. ethical and not yeah. um leaving yeah. a massive environmental footprint i think it's a cultural thing and um we found the same thing in china as well actually i think um potentially it is something that comes out of being a developing country mm-hmm. rather than a developed country there's um you know sometimes a feeling of well in china it was because you know the cultural revolution wasn't that long ago there is still, you know, the generations alive that experienced that time and that mm-hmm. hardship. So then when there is food available, you, you know, reg, mm-hmm. you know, regularly available, there could be a tendency to 
use food as a way to show your status in Mm -hmm. society. One can only Mm -hmm. imagine there is a fair bit of wastage, especially Mm -hmm. during Ramadan, which, um, again, during Ramadan, um, you know, we we didn't want to do what everyone else does, which is like create these elaborate buffets and Mm -hmm. just so much food. Mm -hmm. We really wanted it to be, to have an alternative option to just be able to eat what you can actually eat yourself. And um, we just limit actually the number of people that we take through each night so that we don't have that problem of all of this leftover food. Yeah. And that's gone really well. People have really appreciated that also. I can imagine because I fast. Yes. Um, And at the end of the day, there's no point in me going to a buffet and paying in Marrakesh. The prices are crazy. There's no way your stomach can handle it. Or want it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I want a fruit juice, a salad. Maybe if I'm going to have soup, it's got to be like gazpacho or, you know, something like that. I don't want. Yes, especially with Ramadan falling during the summer months for these last kind of five or Mm -hmm. so years. Um, Mm -hmm. We feel exactly the same way, and yeah. um, that's again why we decided to do like a no waste. Good for you. Ramadan offering. <laughs> Good for you. Um, I want to talk about wine because you mentioned that you do come from a wine producing family yeah, in Australia. Do. You don't serve wine at the cafe. We don't. But Morocco has a yes. pretty booming yeah. uh, wine industry. Yeah. So, what do you think of the the wine industry here, and what tips do you have? Um, I think you know there's some nice wine out there. Mm-hmm. I think it's. Um, my parents came over here, um, well, they've been over here many times actually, but at one one time they came over and we managed to arrange to go to one of the wineries in McNess mm-hmm. and um, do a tour and we were all really shocked at the size of the facility actually and the numbers, like the production numbers they were talking about. It's really, I mean, a lot of wine mm-hmm. is consumed <laughs> in this country. <laughs> It's so funny Uh because Aziz doesn't drink. Yeah. And um, before I moved here, whenever we visited Morocco every year, but um, we were always staying with his family and none of them drink either. So I really had it in my mind that no one in Morocco, no Moroccans Mm -hmm. drank actually. Mm -hmm. And then when we moved here and moved to Casablanca and um, we started, you know, making friends here and going out and then I realised maybe Aziz is just the only Moroccan that doesn't (laughs) drink actually. Uh I mean, of course, there's lots that don't. But, yes, Mm -hmm. lots obviously do because, um, you know, there's big, big wine production Mm -hmm. numbers here. Um, I think it's a bit unregulated Mm-hmm. which, I mean, I'm comparing it to the Australian market, which is quite heavily regulated yes. um, and Australia in general is quite heavily regulated. Mm-hmm. Um, but, again, it's a, you know, a safety, like a food safety issue. Um, but there are like a few people out there that are really taking care to make nice wines and mm-hmm. um, I'm sure that that will continue to develop. Hopefully it will continue yeah. to develop. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. they've got, you know, quite a lot of French influence here and I know that they grow a lot of, um, I think they send bulk wine to France as well, like some of the big French wineries mm-hmm. have um, production here as well. Um, so that's good to get some outside influence as well. And um, I'm not sure about the traditions of wine in Morocco. I assume it's maybe from just the French mm-hmm. period, but it might have been prior to that. I don't know, actually. Mm-hmm. That's a good yeah, question for someone to mm-hmm. answer. Yeah. <laughs> You'll have to interview someone from a wine. winery. Yes, yeah. a winery here, exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I went to the winery in Essaouira. Yes. That's, I, like I haven't the... been to that one, but I like oh, their okay. wine. Mm-hmm. It is. Yes, okay. Um, the Vilibula yes, okay. is the most yep. 
Yeah. Is it Filibula? Yes. Yeah. Uh, no, is it from down there? No, it's not. It's the, um, oh, no, I can't remember either the names of them. I think it's the. Um, it's the Gazelle. Mogador. Oh, the Gazelle yeah, is the from Mogador. The Mogador. And I then think the other one. There. Yeah. yeah. But well, they, the Belize, I think, is from Meknes, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I find if I'm going to drink Moroccan wines, mm. you just have to buy the more expensive bottles. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is my experience as well. Yeah. Um, I have found that if you drink the less expensive <laughs> bottles, you feel like you've drunk three bottles the next day yes. when you might have only had two glasses. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I knew to yeah. stop drinking them. Yes, like, why exactly, am I feeling this exactly way? what happened uh-huh. to me as well. But yeah, yeah, then you can find a few that you know um, are, you know, obviously. Yeah, more expensive ones. I guess you get what you pay for. Exactly. Everything. So just one last question. What is life like living in Casablanca? It's great. It's, um, again, you know, coming back to that, um, you know, idea that Casablanca is not a nice place and Mm -hmm. but that has not been our experience at all, actually. And Aziz is not from here. He's from Kenitra, close Mm -hmm. to Rabat. So actually... We'd never spent any time in Casablanca before we moved here. I mean, I've been coming to Morocco. Before we moved here, I'd already been coming to Morocco for um, 15 years, Mm -hmm. um, but never really spent any time in Casablanca either because, again, Aziz is from Kenitra and everyone in Kenitra is like, no, don't go to Casablanca. It's too big, too busy. The traffic's horrendous. There's (laughs) nothing to do there. Everyone wants to rip you off, you know, those stereotypes, Uh (laughs) um, which is not just a, you know, that's something that happens all over the Mm -hmm. world, I think. Um, You know, people who live in the regional areas, Mm -hmm. when they look at the big cities, they kind of probably think that's not something they necessarily want to get involved in. Exactly. Yeah, but then when we moved here and we had thought about, where we wanted to move, and it wasn't automatically Casablanca. We'd looked at Tangiers, we'd looked at Rabat, um, and we looked at Casablanca as well. But in the end, we decided that, you know, Casablanca is the business capital of Morocco. Mm-hmm. It's the biggest city, and having lived in Shanghai for, you know, previously we thought that um, we still wanted to feel, you know, that we were still a little bit in an urban environment Mm -hmm. and um, could still go out for dinner and do all of those things. So that's why we chose here. And as I said, the experience has been really positive. We've made really good friends here, both foreign and local. Our boys Mm -hmm. ended up going to one of the American schools here because by the time we got here, they were probably a little bit too old to go into the French system Mm -hmm. or Moroccan system. So For better or worse, we decided to put them into the American system, which was fine, and they did learn French and Arabic as well, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, So through school we met a lot of really lovely Moroccan families as well as foreign families. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, just having the cafe, we've met so many lovely people. I can imagine. Creative, lovely Mm -hmm. people that um, we have become friends with as well. And, Yeah. yeah, Casablanca, look, it's... Again, after being in Shanghai, we got here and we're expecting like horrendous traffic and we're like, "Mm, actually, this is fantastic compared to Shanghai. So it's all subjective, obviously, depending on where you've come from, right? Uh Um, But I find it a really easy city to navigate. And um, I love that, you know, there's always that sea breeze here. Mm -hmm. Like I've never felt like I'm roasting in an oven or anything living here. And, Yeah. um, yeah, it's a... It's, it's a good city. I would love to see some more development and some more care taken for it, but um, mm-hmm. overall I think it's a it's a pretty nice place to live. Do you guys surf at all? 
Our boys do. Do yeah. they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we, we went to the beach a lot. Every weekend we were at the beach when we lived here. Wow. Yeah. Either in in town or out to double as sometimes we yeah. have lots of friends who lived out there as well so uh, we yeah. don't quite often go out there on the weekends yeah because the surfing you can surf in in the city right yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah just down, down by the you know well actually you can go through and for place the mall mm-hmm. down there and go to the beach right in front there yeah or you can go like a little further along to where all the like there's a few surf clubs along yeah. there where you can go to as well yeah it's it's fantastic exactly it's not many places in the world where you can surf in the city well sydney is another place of mm-hmm. course so maybe yeah. that's why i like, like it, it here as yeah. well uh-huh. <laughs> and aziz grew up in Kenitra, which is very close to um he grew up on the beach as well so mm-hmm. beach is something that is definitely important to us as a family and um I mean Casablanca doesn't have beautiful beaches but they're fine Mm -hmm. and they're quite nice and they're good for surf and look Mm -hmm. they're just down the road so yeah take advantage of them yeah and then I always find when I come here I feel like I'm in a city you know yes coming from Marrakesh I sometimes feel like a little country bumpkin yeah um when I get here yeah it's so big and busy yeah um but there's so much culture and the restaurant scene and yeah you know, I, I'm supposed to go back to Marrakesh tomorrow, but I'm like, but there's so many good places to have a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and every day I'm just eating like yeah. really fresh food. I had the salmon, the lemon salmon and oh, yes, pumpkin spaghetti, spaghetti good. at Bondi today. It was so good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. I love everything you guys yeah, do. Good. Yeah. Try the salmon poke bowl next time okay yeah it's good as well nice and fresh my only problem is is that your chairs are so comfy i don't want to move that's fine (laughs) i just keep ordering coffee yeah it's done on a purpose right strategic yeah Uh, perfect well that's all my questions that i can think of was there anything you wanted to Um, add no i think um let's just encourage more people to get out there and don't be afraid of doing stuff in morocco honestly when we told family and friends in Morocco that we were going to open a cafe they were all like you're crazy don't do it it'll be terrible blah 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 really why I I think people are a little bit scared of um you know creating things here sometimes Mm -hmm. because I think the idea is that maybe it's all very difficult to go through all of the licensing and approvals mm-hmm. processes. And I mean, that stuff can be difficult, but it's just process. It's yeah. just like, you know, you just have to go through them mm-hmm. and keep going back, keep going back, keep going back. I think a lot of people get maybe scared off by mm-hmm. thinking that it's kind of impossible. And mm-hmm. um, we definitely had our challenges when we were, you know, setting up and getting mm-hmm. our licenses, but it all happened in the end and mm-hmm. if you if you want to do something, you know, just go out there and just give it a try. It. There's so many opportunities here. I feel in Morocco it's just right oh, for like endless yeah. opportunities. Which is one of the reasons why we did come here as well because we, when we arrived in China, you can imagine Aziz arrived in China in like I think the first time he went to China was like 1988 or something. I mean it was a completely different country to what it is now and mm-hmm. even I arrived in 98 to when we left in 2012, I mean, it had gone from being, you know, still like pretty developing Mm -hmm. to now being like one of the most sophisticated cities in the world. And that's only a space of 15 years. So then we thought, okay, Mm -hmm. well, we love that environment of development and because we just see it as being opportunities. It is opportunity. You're willing to take the risk. Yeah. Because the returns are probably great. Yeah, as well. the returns are great, mm-hmm. and um, 
you know, it's great in Australia and in Sydney, but everything is there. Yes. Everything is done. So if you, if you are kind of entrepreneurial and you like um, building new businesses, I would find that challenging actually, because I would just Mm -hmm. think, well, I look around and like everything is done so well, like, Mm -hmm. where am I going to find my place to create something? But here, like, honestly, I can think of, you know, 10, 20 things every day that would would be great in Morocco. Yeah. So we just need the people to, you know, take on the challenge. And I mean, of course, they need to then have the opportunity to, um, you know, get business loans mm-hmm. and get the support of the government, etc. But all all around, we have so many creatives that come to the cafe and um, would love to be able to, you know, really do stuff here and they are super creative and, you know, young and Moroccan mm-hmm. and, you know, it should be Moroccans that are yes. bringing Morocco up, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Don't want them to leave. No. Yeah, we have to keep them here. <laughs> oh, well, that's awesome. I'm so excited about this. So thank you so oh, much for stopping so much. by. It's been great. Yeah. It's, it's really, really lovely. So I'm glad our timings. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Yeah. I so. love your series. I've listened to um, not all of them, but I've listened to quite a few. Oh, I think thank it's, you. it's great, inspiring. We feel as well with regards to other food businesses, you know, whenever somewhere else opens that that's maybe, you know, kind of competitor. In, yes, a competitor mm-hmm. to, to us, everyone's always like, oh, did you hear that this place is open, blah, blah, blah. And we're like, great, we welcome <laughs> it. Please uh-huh. open and please look after it well so that, you know, yes. we aren't the only ones and that we really create a food mm-hmm. culture here. Exactly. Or because a cafe it's culture. it's only good for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't we don't want it all for ourselves. We're very happy to share. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's only so much space in the restaurant, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. If you're a fan of getting off the tourist trail and planning to be in Marrakesh, join us for one of our Tasting Marrakesh food and cultural tours. On our Tasting Marrakesh Gilles tour, we explore some of the 20th century architecture in Marrakesh, stop at some of our favorite art galleries housed in Art Deco gems, and wander through parks and religious buildings that surprise visitors who dare to venture beyond the Marrakesh Medina. We chat history, eat street food, and shop. You know, some of my favorite things. But don't just take it from me. Condé Nast Traveler recently included this tour on its roundup of 10 cool things to do in Marrakesh. Our website is tasting-marrakesh.com for more details. That's Marrakesh with a CH. All of our tours are private and bespoke, so we take you only to the places that interest you. But for now, it's time to say see you in two weeks when I'll be back in the studio after a short break. In the meantime, if you want to discuss a collaboration or partnership, please feel free to get in touch via my website, mandyinmorocco.com. And if you're a fan of Why Morocco, I would be so grateful if you could rate and review this podcast on your favorite channel or spread the love by sharing on your social media networks. Just don't forget to tag me at Mandy in Morocco so I can be sure to thank you for helping me share my love of Morocco. Okay.